Hey friends, welcome to the City Hope Podcast. My name is Bobby Thompson and I have the privilege of serving as a lead pastor. I pray that today's message would inspire you, it would encourage you, and it would also challenge you in your walk with Christ. Enjoy today's sermon. All right, good morning, City Hope Church. How are we doing today? I'm going to go ahead and apologize for my voice. I've practiced a lot. I promise. Let's go ahead and clarify the elephant in the room. I know what 95% of y'all are thinking. Holiday service, student pastors preaching. Dang it, we could be at brunch already. Um, But I'm glad you're here. We really didn't try to trick you by any means. I know when Bobby doesn't preach, we don't take attendance, so you get out. Um, But I am excited to get the opportunity to open up and dig into God's word with you this morning. But before we dig in, I want to, I've noticed recently that there's a point of controversy surrounding Thanksgiving that I want to address real quick. So just want to take a poll um, and by a show of hands, just let me know what camp you fall in. There's no judgment. Um, Just want to see who I'm preaching to this morning. So if you believe that Christmas starts after Thanksgiving dinner, raise your hand. Okay. There's a couple. All right. You can put your hands down. Let me see who you are. If you've had Christmas up since November 1st, raise your hand. Okay. All right. I I wrote this like joke almost to be like, all right, that's who's going to serve. But literally it's everybody who's serving and kids just raise their hands. So thank you so much. Um, Hey, whether or not you've got Christmas up yet, uh, this Thursday is Thanksgiving, FYI. Um, And so, of course, while preparing for this message, um, I've just, I've been thinking about what I'm most thankful for. And the reality is, to be honest, I realized that I'm thankful for tough and trying seasons. Like the kinds of seasons that really test your resolve. The kinds of seasons that really show you what you're made of. Um, Over the last year, my wife and I have been celebrating God's faithfulness after such a season. And we've come into this season, this time of year, so thankful for the gift that God has given us. So this morning, I believe the message that God has for us is this, greater trust leads to greater thanksgiving. The reality is trust is a tricky thing. For me, trust is something easy to claim, but very difficult to live out. Fortunately, I find comfort knowing that I'm not alone. There are some in the Bible regarded even as heroes of faith who've had similar experiences with trust. So this morning, if you will, if you've got your Bibles, and I hope you do, we're going to look at a guy named Abraham in Genesis chapter 22. So if you go ahead and open up your Bibles with me, and as you turn there, we're going to look at the first 14 verses. I know that sounds like a lot. It's just a story. We're going to look at this story real quick about Abraham and his son Isaac. But a little context, Abraham was a man called by God to pack up all his stuff and head to a land that God would show him. And he did. As he obediently follows God, he questions God and at times becomes impatient and tries to do things his own way. Again, I find Abraham to be super relatable. Um, So if you will, will you stand with me as we read God's word this morning? Genesis chapter 22, starting in verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, Abraham answered. Take your son, God said, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering in one of the mountains I will tell you about. A what? So Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. 
Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship. Then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. In his hand, he took the fire and the knife and the two of them walked on together. Then Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, my father. And Abraham replied, here I am, my son. Isaac said, the fire and the wood are here, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Then the two of them walked on together. When they arrived at the place that God had told them about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out, took the knife to slaughter his son, and all God's people said, what the heck is happening in this story? God's asking this dude to kill his son, and he's going to do it. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham replied, here I am. Then the angel said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your only son from me. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its thorns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named that place the Lord will provide. So today it is said, it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. Let's pray. Dearly Father God, we thank you that you are a God of provision. We thank you that you provide even in seasons where we don't know where your provision will come from. God, we pray that this morning you provide a message, you remove me, and God, that I'm just a, just a microphone for you. God, we ask that you just be with us, that we may hear your message and we may respond likewise. And we ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Y'all can go ahead and be seated. Y'all have grown up in church my entire life, like, started going to church maybe four days after I was born. Uh, so it's easy for me to look at this story as just another Old Testament Bible story. It's just another Sunday school story. But when we stop and we look at it with fresh eyes, as I sillyly tried to do while we were reading through it, we realized that this, <laughs> this is a crazy story. God asks for the unimaginable, and Abraham doesn't hesitate. He's obedient, which I think is crazier than God asking him the initial command anyway. Parents, just for a second, if God asked you to sacrifice one of your kids this morning, wouldn't you at least go, are you sure? Some of y'all are like, uh, I may have asked this question the wrong morning. Some of y'all look like y'all are ready to sacrifice a kid. I don't know, maybe the car ride in. Yeah, some of y'all are waiting options. Like, I got a couple kids. I can give them one. <laughs> so about a year ago, my wife Erica and I, uh, we had been in the adoption process for about two years. Um, and we got the, finally got the call, the call we've been waiting for, that we've been matched with a beautiful, healthy baby girl. And the morning after we met our daughter, Ellie, our caseworker came to us ready to settle the bill, right? We've been fundraising. We weren't even close to hitting our fundraising goal. So this was a scary moment for me. We had most of the money, but we weren't even close to hitting that fundraising goal. Like, I could have written that check, but we wouldn't have had gas money to get home. That's where we were. So the first thought that entered my mind was, how do, I'm pretty sure I saw a bank outside the hospital. How do I rob that bank? Like, I'm looking up Google. That's probably not good. If you know me, you know I can be a little dramatic, but this was scary, like natural, quiet thought that entered my mind. But I'd only met this girl just hours before, and I was already ready to break the law, rob a bank, put her in the car, try to get across the border to Mexico as fast as I could. 
I don't know why I thought that if I didn't have the money, they were going to, like, take her back. There wasn't, like, a repossession. It wasn't kind of like that kind of deal. I know that's a terrible thing to say about a kid, but that's where I was with no sleep the night before and uh, this just new moment um, in life. That was me in an adoption agency. I hesitated. I was like, how is this going to happen? I was unsure what God was going to do. But Abraham doesn't hesitate. Look back in verse 2 with me. God gives the command, but in verse 3, without hesitation, without stopping, he's preparing and packing for the weirdest prayer retreat in biblical history. Earlier in his life, God promised Abraham that he would be the father of a great nation. Abraham wasn't always the most trusting in these situations. You see, when God told him this, he was 99, his wife was 89. In fact, Sarah laughed when she heard that she was going to be pregnant in a year. For 10 chapters, Abraham had been on a journey with God, growing in his relationship with him. Abraham was always obedient, but he wasn't the most trusting. But he experienced God's faithfulness despite his weak trust. I just encourage you, if you got some time with the holiday, go back and read. It's, it's a quick 10 chapters. Um, but I believe that Abraham knew in chapter 22 from his relationship and experiences with God that even when he didn't trust, God was still faithful and that his word would always come true. These experiences gave Abraham a confidence to trust God with this unthinkable command. You hear his confidence in verse 5. He tells the servant, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over to worship. Then we will come back to you. He didn't know how or what God was going to do, but he spoke with trusting God to his servants that they would return. You hear it again when Isaac asked about where's the lamb for the sacrifice. And Abraham responds, God himself will provide the lamb, will provide it. He didn't know how or what God would do, but he spoke with faith when he told Isaac that God would provide the sacrifice. God had already commanded that Abraham would be the father of a great nation through Isaac. So how could Isaac die on this day? I mean, it would be a natural inclination for us to stop and ask God this and talk with God about it. And God, I don't understand. This doesn't make any sense. But Abraham was obedient. He didn't hesitate. The connection here is if we say we trust God, then we will obey God no matter how scary or unsure we are about it. City Hope Church, trusting is hard, but trusting is at the core of our relationship. This is Abraham and Isaac's story is one of my favorite stories um, because it's such a real way of where we see Jesus in the Old Testament. There's moments throughout the Old Testament where we see just these moments that happen in the history of Israel, but they're moments that are telling us there's, there's something more coming. There's a Savior coming. In this story, you see Isaac, an obedient son to his father, carry up the wood he will be executed on up that hill, just like Jesus carrying his cross. Jesus is called the Lamb of God, and the prophet Isaiah said he would be led to the slaughter quietly. Look at Isaac's quiet obedience. Isaac could have taken his 120-year-old dad easily, and yet he allows himself to be bound and laid on the altar, watching that knife go above him. Our relationship with Jesus begins with trust and faith in his death and resurrection. That's our first step. We trust that Jesus is the only way to eternity with God and salvation from an eternity in hell. And a lot of Christians are completely fine with that, and that's where it stops for them. But like I said, that's the first step. 
Step two for every Christian is going through, this is a big theological word, goes through the process of sanctification. This is where we become more and more like Jesus. We're no longer conformed to the world, but we're being transformed by the Holy Spirit. But it takes discipline. It takes trust. Jesus calls us to pick up our cross and die to ourselves daily, which is a New Testament way of saying we deny what we want to do and we focus on what God wants us to do. We trust him in the decisions that we make each and every day. You see, I believe there's a response for every one of us in this room. The question is, how will we respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ? How will you take a step of trust and obedience in your relationship with God? If, if you're in that group where, where you've trusted Jesus with your eternal salvation, but you don't trust him in your day-to-day, there's a ton of things that the Bible calls every Christian to do. Maybe that's your step this week. Maybe that's your step today. If you realize today that you've only trusted God with your eternity, maybe it's creating a new habit to connect with Jesus. Just five minutes in the word or a quick prayer or picking up a devotional. And I'm I'm going to try this week to do three out of five days, God. Maybe it's joining a small group. Maybe it's getting on a serving team. Getting around community of believers so that we can grow. They can show us. They'll see those gifts that God has given us and how we can use them to serve the kingdom of God. Maybe it's giving financially. Maybe it's just going across the street and talking to a neighbor or a coworker or a family member or a teammate or a classmate about Jesus. Maybe God's calling you to get baptized, to make a public profession of faith to your church body. These are those things that every Christian is called to do. Now, some of y'all may be like, hey, Brian, I'm not perfect at that, but, but I, I've been walking with Jesus for a, lot, a while, and, and, and I've got a regular quiet time, and I give regularly. Cool, let's, let's, let me just meet you there. Let me take it up a level. The response is to trust and obey as God has called you. Not just as he's called Christians in general, but as he's called you. He has made you unique with your own individual experiences, education, background, personality, and interests. You are fearfully and wonderfully made by an intentional, creative, and intimate God. So maybe for you, it's going on a mission trip with us next year. Maybe it's leading a group instead of just being a part of a group. Maybe it's financially giving a little bit more. You you give here, but maybe God's calling you to support someone doing ministry somewhere else. Maybe it's to start a Bible study in your neighborhood or at your job. God is calling each and every one of us right now to take a step in faith and obedience, to trust him with that call. It's how we grow. It's just spending time in God's word, spending time in intimate relationship. We grow in our knowledge, and, and, and as the more we learn about Jesus, the more we want to trust and experience in Jesus, and therefore the more we become like Jesus. And we begin to take on his traits. We begin to care about what he cares about. We're given eyes to see the kingdom work all around us. And y'all, living like Jesus isn't natural for us. Jesus was shaking things up when he said, I've come to serve and not be served. Y'all, I naturally want to be served. I'm not going to lie to you. My wife's like, what do you want for dinner? And I'm like, let's go to Cahill's. We know them. They don't know our names yet, but we're getting there. But it's only time spent with Jesus and the church that our thinking, our viewpoint, and our world begins to be transformed. That our attitude 
of being served and taking care of ourselves, and self-preservation moves from that to an attitude of giving and putting God first in everything we do. Y'all, today, more so than ever before in the American culture, our schedules are so busy and the hustle is so intense. There's, no, there's more reason than ever to have time each and every day dedicated to spending time with Jesus in prayer and in his word. More reason than ever before. It's easy. It's easy to say, I mean, I'm just so busy. It's easy, man. We got in late last night. We had games. We had theater. We had whatever. I just wanted to sleep in a little bit this morning. It's so easy to say, you know, I, I, I'm so committed. Doesn't God, doesn't he want me to honor the commitments I already have in my life? It's so easy for us to, to try to justify it or even make excuses. God, I know you're calling me to do this or I, I, I'm, I'm afraid you might be. But this is where I'm going to put my attention. So I got, there's a couple of people that come to mind when, when I think through this and just kind of the, again, the transformation, the flip, this, the, like flipping the switch in our minds from ourselves to others. I heard about this lady one time who felt like God was calling her to support a missionary couple. They were asking for X amount a month and um, she really wanted to give, but she was retired. She was on a fixed income. She was already giving to her church as she should, but she faithfully looked at her budget and saw that if she cut her phone bill, She'd have the exact amount to give to this missionary couple. She felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, cut it. Cut that phone bill. That's crazy. Uh, the first service, I literally was grabbing my phone as I talked about it, going, where is that? Um, my wife took it from me so I wouldn't be fidgety, and y'all see how well that's going. Um, but I would naturally assume that even the most basic phone bill is a need, but she didn't. And she was amazed at how her relationships with people changed. Conversations became more meaningful. They went from five-minute phone conversations to people stopping by for a 20-minute cup of coffee. I heard about another couple, and this one hits home because I heard this story, and I was like, man, that sounds like a great idea, and then I was convicted by it, but there was a couple. They were young, starting out, hadn't been married very long, and they went to the pastor and said, pastor, we understand that we need to give, but our finances are so tight right now. We're both starting new jobs. We've just moved to the area, and the pastor said, cool, Here's what I can do. Go ahead and write that check. I'll put it in my desk drawer. You call me at the end of the month, and if you're good, I'll cash the check. The couple said, awesome. That sounds great. The pastor turned to the couple and said, shame on you for not trusting God. If God's calling you to do something, like even in this story, this, this, what this couple learned was we're commanded, we're called to give. And if God's called us to do that, don't you think he'll take care of our basic needs and help us meet our financial needs at the end of every month? We can justify all day long, but Jesus said to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added. Everything else will be taken care of. I grew up in one of those very, probably the picture that comes to mind is exactly the church that I grew up in. I grew up in one of those traditional Southern Baptist churches, but I, 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 and, I and I love it, still love it. Um, I'm obviously in a different setting, but it's the hymns that stuck with me. And the one that constantly throughout this sermon, writing this sermon, the hymn writer singing, trust and obey, trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. That trust shows up in the times where it's hardest. 
That's when we think about it. God, I trust you in my eternity. God, I trust you in my job. God, I trust you in my family. I find myself saying these things in seasons where it was difficult to trust. It's like I'm having to convince myself to trust. God, I trust you in my schedule. I trust you in my finances. I trust you in my future on this earth. Not too long ago, I was at a buddy's house, and um, he's got a, like a five-year-old, five, six-year-old girl, little girl, and we were hanging out at the house, and it was a beautiful day, so it was actually not a couple weeks ago, it was a couple months ago, and um, she's playing in the backyard, and I hear him walk to the back door, and he starts yelling at his daughter. He's like, stop, don't move, don't take another step. Of course, I come running, because I want to see the drama, I'm thinking homegirl's about to get her butt whooped, and... Um, but as soon as I got in the backyard, I got on that deck and I saw dad with a shovel chopping the head off of a venomous snake. The little girl didn't know it was there. If she had known, she would have been bitten. We probably would have been in the ER for the rest of the night. She didn't know it was there. Dad, I thought dad was trying to be mean, or dad wasn't trying to be mean. Dad was disciplining, but dad was trying to protect. She didn't know the danger was there, but when, when dad spoke, she obeyed. When dad said, don't take another step, she trusted the words of her dad. She didn't know the danger was there. It's not like dad didn't want her running around, didn't want her having fun. Dad just wanted to protect her. It might be a risk when God calls us. And God might ask you to surrender something, but he does so with the best of intentions for us. Jesus said that God is a good father who wants to give good gifts to his kids. And yet, it's still so Hard to trust. If he asks you to give something up, or like this little girl, if he asks you to stop, don't you think he has your best intentions at heart? The same Heavenly Father who gave up his son, his perfect son, so that we could have an eternal life with him. Y'all, I've been mostly talking to Christians this morning, but some of you today aren't followers of Christ. You've never trusted him. You've you've never professed your trust in Jesus Christ, I want to invite you today to do so for the first time. It's big, and it can be a scary step, but it's a simple one, and you don't have to do it alone. We've got a ton of people here that love you and want to see you take this step to give your life to Jesus, to surrender your eternity and and your decision-making to him. But it starts with trusting that Jesus is the only way to salvation for eternal life. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If God is calling you to give your life to him today, come talk with us. We've got a prayer team, a care team that wants to meet with you. We have pastors here. We would be so thankful to have this opportunity, this privilege to lead you to Jesus to talk to you about what God's doing in your life and what God may be calling you to do. You don't have to do it alone. Here's what I've learned in my adult life and through my own experiences, that if you trust and obey God's word, in the end, we will worship. I told you about meeting the caseworker and her telling us that uh, the money was due. Um, sorry, I'm getting my services mixed up. I'm, I'm trying to make sure I didn't tell the story. All right. 
So caseworker comes and says, hey, here's the bill. You guys owe $25,000. Like I said, we didn't have it. We tried to put it out of our minds. I thought some weird, crazy thoughts. We just wanted to enjoy Ellie. We get home that night. Our people, our inner circle, our backbone support team showed up to celebrate with us. And we told them. With tears in our eyes and heads bowed in prayer, we told them we were scared. But God gives us people. He gives us the community, the body with different parts, different abilities. And they started to do what they do best. Y'all, four, so we started telling the world on Friday, came home Thursday, started telling the world on Friday. Monday night, let me stop, I'm sorry, I'm getting mixed up again. My wife says the most profound, and she's always profound, but this was definitely the Holy Spirit. Says, we're going to write that check. We've seen God move. We're going to write that check. It's due Monday. Today's Friday. And we're just going to see what God does. And we're going to trust. Y'all, Monday night, after we sent that check in the mail, we got the last check. We did the math. We were at $21,000 out of the 20 that we needed. I've stopped celebrating. God calls us to trust. And some of these seasons are short and some of them are long, but in the end, we will worship God. In the end, we we grow closer with God. We look back at Abraham in Genesis 22, verse 14. Abraham named that place the Lord will provide. So today it is said, it will be provided in the Lord's mountain. Y'all, in Old Testament times, they would build these altars and they would build these monuments so that they would remember the goodness, the faithfulness of God. Not too long ago, this song went nuts on Christian radio and, and it ended up in every worship service. And the song is called Gyra by Maverick City Music. Y'all, this is the first place in scripture where we hear the words, Jehovah, Jireh, God will provide. I'm telling you, as a dad, to see that ram caught in the thicket, knowing I don't have to do what God has called me to do. I can sacrifice this ram in the place of my son. I'm celebrating. I'm worshiping. I'm praising God for being the provider that he is. Y'all, those four words the Lord will provide is the basis of our faith. He provides a way from us to escape an eternity in hell that we deserve. What would it look like if we just took these four words and declared them over our lives, over our families, our church, and our community? What would it look like if we would remember the last time we trusted, we saw how God provided, and that takes us into, y'all, I, I get it. Like, I get frustrated all the time, um, because I think we think that this process of sanctification is supposed to be a straight shot on a line graph, right? Like if we have faith over time, like we're just supposed to very easily step by step. Some of y'all are like, I totally, that's, and the problem is we get like two clicks up that line graph and we fall. So then we start over and we fall, we start over. It's, it's like doing the New Year's resolution. I'm going to read the Bible every day for a year, right? You can make it to about February 14th and you miss a couple days. And you're like, all right, I'm going to keep going. And then you get to March, and then you're just done. You don't make it to December. So many of us have that picture that that's what sanctification, this process of Christianity and becoming more like Christ is supposed to be. The reality is the graph looks a lot different. 
It's still faith over time, but it's crazy swirls. Sometimes we're trusting really well. Sometimes we're not. Sometimes it's easy to trust. Sometimes it's very difficult to trust. But ultimately, God says, hey, I got you. And no matter your faith, no matter your trust, I will be faithful. No matter what happens. So if we took that trust, just trust in the fact that God is a provider and he's provided a way to eternal life. If he's provided a way over death, what won't he provide? Therefore, we can trust him, not just with our eternity, but with our every day. And as we begin to trust more and more, we will grow to become more like Christ and worship will become so sweet. We'll find ourselves singing praise songs We'll find ourselves in moments where we're just like, how can I keep from singing your praise? You're a good, good father. You're a way maker, a miracle worker, a promise keeper. You're a light in the darkness. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. Y'all, it's a, this process is just a cycle. We trust God with something. God shows up in a big way. We worship. We take that moment and we trust him with something else. God shows up, he flexes his muscles, he does what he does best, and we worship. We go through situations, we see a brother and sister in Christ going through something we just went through, and we get to say, hey, hold on to the scripture. Hold on to the truth of the gospel. The Lord will provide. Let's pray. Dearly Father God, we thank you so much for this message. We thank you that you are a God who provides that you're a good father, you're a way maker, a miracle worker. God, I just pray today that you would give us the courage. And when we hear this message, we hear your gospel, and we feel you calling us to respond. The Lord God, we will be courageous, that we will be brave. And even if we're unsure, we will trust you with our lives, with our family, with our jobs. Father God, we will worship and be reminded of how good you are and how much good you want for us. We love you, Father God. I just pray for everyone who's in this room, Father God. And I pray, I pray, Father God, whatever they're wrestling with, whatever they're hearing you call, Father, that they won't leave here without doing business with you. We love you, God, and we just ask you to move. Remind us that you are the Lord that will provide. Remind us, Father God, that with greater trust leads to greater thanksgiving. We're so thankful for you. We're thankful for your son. And we ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in with us today. We would love to connect with you. And the best way to do that is through social media or go straight to our website. God bless you and have a wonderful day.